On today's podcast, you get to meet my friend Jen Teeter, who was my kids' teacher and volleyball coach and just a real integral part of their lives. And we get to discuss life transitions. And she asked me a little bit more about how Mike and I met. So I go into that a little bit more about how we actually met and kind of where our um, relationship went from there. Um, I ended up breaking Mike's heart and I broke up with him. So more on that in the podcast. And then, yeah, we just talk about a little bit more about cancer. So thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Here we go. Welcome to the Drive Candace to Radiation podcast. Here we are once again climbing up this mountain. And I believe I am on day 21, but don't quote me on that. I don't know. They all run together. And driving me today is my really good friend, Jennifer Teeter. Say hello. Hi, everybody. (laughs) She's playing along today. Thank you. Um, Hey, friend, when did we meet and what bonded us to each other? Well, we, I know have known each other for a long time, and I feel like it was when the girls first started playing volleyball in Imbler as part of our Panther volleyball program. And I do have to say that our bond definitely grew through volleyball. You were one of those super volleyball moms who I knew I could count on for anything and everything at any time. And just made it so fun for the kids with all of your amazing team dinners at your house with your wonderful cooking and bringing snacks and food to the kids at games and just being the number one fan not only of your girls but of all the kids and being there to support me too which was always such a wonderful blessing yeah well it was a joy to it was such a fun time in our lives as parents and Mike and I just thoroughly enjoyed that and yeah you are literally my daughter's favorite (laughs) they love you so much they were like very excited that you were in the car today with me actually Gracie's kind of like a little um protective about who gets to drive me and who who deserves a spot in the driver's seat so (laughs) she was very happy it was going to be you today so um I love to talk about kindness I think kindness is super important in our world I think it's underrated um but it it's it's everywhere and I know that if, even if you ask I can ask this question to anyone and if they pause and think about it there's something kind that somebody has done for them recently so what is something kind someone's done for you recently in the last few months as I've transitioned into my new position at the ESD as an instructional coach I have had a lot of kindness shown I think one of the hard things in life is that We often get so busy we forget to tell people how much we appreciate them in a role that they're in and then as they transition or move on or something changes or happens, that's when you kind of take a step back and reflect on that person's impact in your life or what they've meant to you. And so I definitely have been overwhelmed with kindness, just people that I knew would support me in the transition, but also people that I I didn't necessarily expect or just very surprised by some of the nice cards I got or gifts or 
thoughtful things that parents and kids did for me in that time, which was super emotional. Yeah. So many nights driving home from school in the spring, I just would be in tears and show up and my husband would be like, okay, we're crying again today. Are you sure you're good with this decision? And every time the answer was yes, but it just was so hard to say goodbye to my classroom and a place that means a lot to me. So the kindness that people showed me in that transition was really comforting and, and helpful. I think that's really good to take note of that when we have somebody going through a transition, there's lots of different kinds of transitions, but to just send a card, like you said, or just send, or just words, just send them words of kindness, um, little gifts. I think that's really great for us to take note on because it is, it is hard for us to have like big changes like that in our lives and we don't do them very frequently, hopefully. <laughs> so, yes. so yeah, it is kind of amazing though. I know what you're talking about when you're like, you're surprised at the people who kind of come out of the woodwork that you didn't realize you were that connected with. And and then here they are. It's kind of amazing. Um, okay. All right, friend. What is super interesting or fun for you right now? In in your free time, What what is fun? I think, well, both Jared and I have really started looking at finding opportunities that we can spend time together. Uh-huh. We, we have worked very hard our whole lives and during the time when our kids were at home much of our free time was dedicated to them and following them to sporting events or helping them with their FFA and 4-H projects and raising steers and all the things that we did with our kids so finding time to reconnect as just he and I and traveling um spending time in the mountains we bought a side-by-side which was kind of a big purchase that was hard to allocate the resources for but we have just absolutely enjoyed getting up and seeing so much of our beautiful valley from above and seeing parts of the mountains even though we've grown up here and been here our whole lives finding new trails and new places to adventure to uh, has been so fun yeah yeah, I've seen those posts that you guys are out um, driving around on Sundays, it seems yes. like, right? Yeah. yeah. Usually Saturdays or Sundays, and we go sometimes alone, or we often go with a group of friends, and uh, just really yeah. nice to be out in nature. And we live in such an amazing area that I don't think people that don't have the means to get up into the mountains even have half of an idea of how amazing it is yeah so yeah yeah it is incredible we were just up driving around um in our truck the other night checking on huckleberries seeing where we're at with huckleberry picking and took the kids up there and it's just it is such a we forget that it's just right there and it's just it's normal for us but especially when we have visitors that come and stay with us we're like oh yeah let's take you up here right this is where we live and it's beautiful yeah but I also love that you're being mindful and that the both of you are working on spending time with one another I think that's super important in in that transition and um Mike and I are beginning to dream about what that might be like for us. And um, this will be kind of like our first fall without anybody in the house. So 
here we go. <laughs> here we go. I feel like I'm going to come off of all of my cancer treatments and then all the children will be gone. And so I'm going to probably need counseling, some whiskey, a lot of Jesus and some fun times. That's like, I'm going to need all of it. So <laughs> empty testing is not for the faint of heart. Let me tell you, I, again, cried multiple days when it was just the two of us and until I figured out that there really is life beyond the kids and we still spend time with them and enjoy them, but they have their own lives and, and that's great. And it has been really fun to finally feel like we're in a groove that we can go and do things and enjoy it. Yeah. So let's hearken back to 10 years ago when you were in the thick of it as a mama. <laughs> so it would have been 2012. Um, what, you know, is there... Is there what is something you wish you had known 10 years ago? Or is there something you would say to yourself 10 years ago? I think probably the biggest thing, because at that time, the kids were teenagers. And so as much as we love teenagers, and that's what I have done for a living is teach teenagers, <laughs> um, they can be challenging. And through lots of things I think it's so hard to let go of worry and have faith and trust in God and I think as I've approached the end of what we would say that 10 year period that I'm looking back on um, finding more faith and really trying to let go of worry and trust that the kids are going to be fine and I really can't control everything in their lives and that I have to let it go and, and give it to God. But I think for myself, just that level of kindness that I needed to show myself and making time for myself to exercise and take care of myself because I was so in, entrenched and ingrained in work and kids and taking care of the family that I wasn't making time to exercise or do the things that I needed to do. And so physically, I feel better probably than I did 10 years ago. And I, I wish that looking back that I would have made time then yeah. as I'm trying to make time for myself now. And yeah. I, I think that's so hard for moms and wives when they're younger because they it's just it's hard to find that time but you really have to make time for yourself first yeah I think that is really wise and I like that you know kindness towards yourself in a lot of different ways but definitely that physical I this is I was with somebody else on the podcast who was driving me and we spent a lot of time in the gym so it was Loanne and I and we talked about how we wish we would have been doing laps every time we were in that gym yes. in between you know just do some laps up and around Great. some movement you know um, and we did not <laughs> we sat in those bleachers for a really long time but yes I think that's good advice um, is there something about me that you've always wanted to know but never asked? And it's okay if there's not. This one I think was kind of a hard one initially, but it just came to mind. Uh, I would love to hear how you and Mike met and fell in love. Sure. <laughs> so um, old Mikey and I, we were, <laughs> we were 19 the summer after our freshman year of college and we met in um 
the Hepner Forest Service Ranger District. So the Forest Service there in Hepner. And I used to work there in the summertime. And Mike um, used to work, he used to blow insulation. So he was all over the Northwest out of a company in Spokane. So he had come to Hepner on the weekend because a mutual friend of ours was his roommate his first year of college. Um, so they all kind of roomed together. Actually, Dr. Pearson, I don't know if you, Dr. Pearson, Dr. Pearson, Andy lived, was right across the hall from Mike and Kevin, and they were all kind of buddies together. And so Mike had come to um, visit Kevin in Etner. And Kevin is, was a really good friend of mine um, from high school. And I was just a grunt worker at the Forest Service, but I worked for f the Fish and Wildlife biologist and we all of a sudden had like a ton of paperwork we needed to do that day and I'm just like 19 why do I have paperwork right um but I did so I'm in I'm in the office and Kevin's dad is like the director of that department so he and Kevin come into the office and and I'm backlit in front of a window and Mike comes in and he's like right off construction. So he's got <laughs> he's got a do-rag on and he's got overalls and long sleeve shirt because it's insulation and nasty old boots. And um, he was, Mike gets super tan in the summertime and he was just kind of dirty and just kind of, you know, <laughs> it's like, who is this guy? Um, so I'm meeting him, you know, it's Kevin's friend from college. So I'm meeting him and Mike probably describe it as I've like angels were singing and I was backlit and here's this blonde sitting there and he was yeah intrigued to say the least so they had come in to get the keys for the boat from Kevin's dad and so I get home from work and promptly get a phone call this is when we still had phones in our homes <laughs> and get a phone call from Kevin and saying hey do you and your sister want to go out on the on the lake with us which was a normal thing for us to do and I was like sure so yeah then we that's where we met we went boating and we started dating like right away and within um, probably well within two weeks Mike was talking about marriage and I was like what the frick kind of 19 year old are you I'm that's frightening <laughs> so um, but yeah we dated um, I had already I had gone to Western Oregon State my first year and I had already decided I was going to go back over here to Eastern and so he was at Eastern and um, I lived on H Avenue in a house with a bunch of friends from college or from high school, and um, we dated. And by Thanksgiving, like he went to Thanksgiving with my family. And by Thanksgiving, my grandpa was like, "When are you going to marry this guy?" And I was like, "The pressure." <laughs> um, when I had actually a few about a month prior to that, I had broken up with Mike. I was like, I, the pressure was too intense. And I made Mike cry, which I haven't seen Mike cry very frequently. In a while. I was, I was not a, I was like, it's going to be okay. You'll meet the person. That you. <laughs> and then, um, he left to go home that weekend to Spokane and he came back and he's like, this thing's not over. We're standing in front of like, like Eastern's building. And he's like, this thing's not over. And I'm like, you're right. You know, <laughs> from that on, I was like committed. So yeah, we were, um, engaged like 
in the winter around Christmas time in December and then by September we were married so yeah and then we were like super poor college students married working like six jobs between the two of us and living on an apartment off of Adams <laughs> that's us yep and we stayed we stayed in old Legrand I thought we were gonna leave but we we ended up just staying so that's how we met good old Mikey very, very cool story so this September what is your anniversary date 26 years wow yeah mm-hmm so yeah, this one's been a doozy. <laughs> we had our 25th last year, not knowing what this this next year would have been was gonna be like, and yeah, it was. It's been interesting. I think um, it, we've had a lot of pressure. Obviously, you have something like life threatening, and you're in now. It's in the mix, and so you just so many things that are really pressuring so you kind of go okay is our marriage gonna stand up underneath all this pressure and then Mike had a like a career change in between there too and so he be he got a management position up at the hospital and so I mean I I think it has we've weathered it together and and definitely whatever is kind of festering in your marriage prior to something like this it does come out in those things so you have to deal with it on top of dealing with your you know, the trauma that we were dealing with but um but I am just we're both so in love and committed to one another and just so supportive of one another that even when that pressure happens and we have ways of pushing each other's buttons like you've been together for so long that you're like you work through it so yeah for sure But what's been your experience with cancer? Luckily, I haven't had very many people in our immediate family that have had to go through it. My, my one probably most difficult memories and experience with it was my grandfather, who, my mom's dad, Pete Droke, who was just a wonderful grandpa to us growing up and he came down with lung cancer he'd been a smoker and so you know it unfortunately it, it wasn't a surprise when sure. we found out sure. but to see the pain that he suffered because he was old enough and it was far enough along when they discovered it that he decided he didn't want to go through treatment and so kind of trying to be there for grandma and for him in those last days as you know a younger person I think he he passed away when I was around 40 so I had him in my life for a long time yeah which a lot of people don't get their grandparents for that long but um and he got to meet the kids and you know they they got to have their great grandpa Pete and still just so hard to see someone at that point you know decide no I don't want to I don't want to do treatment and you know we knew we couldn't force him to but we also were ready to let go yes and it's always so hard to say if the treatment would have prolonged his life or you know the doctors said probably wouldn't have cured it but to me I'm kind of that fighter mentality and I guess until I'm personally faced with it I don't know what I would do but I, I felt like in that moment, like, no, you have to try. I want you to try. And 
I just keep hoping that the whole realm of medicine and technology and everything that we should be able to do to help people, it just keeps getting better yeah. to, to help them fight it and survive it and not be that some thing that, you know, devastates a family, especially for younger people yeah. um, who haven't had a chance to live their life yet. Yeah, it is tough. Um, everybody's cancer journey is obviously their own to choose. Um, but I, I did, I did get to know somebody in treatment that decided to stop taking chemo, and um, I just, I, I don't know. I didn't ask why those decisions. You know, that's somebody's personal decision. But it, it is kind of. I, I'm like, oh dang. But it also has an effect on the oncology nurses that are taking care of you every day. And they get so attached to you. And they're just so amazing that for them it's just really hard to also. Like the same kind of feeling that I think you're describing that you were about your grandpa. It's really tough to see somebody make that choice. Um and so it's brave of them to make that choice because you, you know, I'm sure they had, everybody kind of thinks about what they're going to do. But um, I do think it, you know, when people have mentioned to me like, oh, this is so hard what you're doing. And, you know, you have to, I, I didn't, there was no other choice for me. Of course, I'm going to, whatever they're, whatever they say I need to do, that's what I'm going to do. And, um because it's not just me, it's my kids and it's my husband and I don't want to devastate their lives right. if I can if I can fight this off. So yes. and I hopefully will have grandbabies someday. Yes, <laughs> so yeah. That's a tough choice. That is a tough choice. I can understand some degree, you know, being the age that you are, if he you know, if he was kinda done with that. But yeah. This yeah, it's harder when it's somebody younger, I think, too, when they make a decision not to. Um, so we're climbing down. We're going down the hill. Down the face of cabbage. Here we are once again. Um, it's very... Uh, there's still parts of it that are green, which I cannot believe because we are at the end of July. <laughs> it is crazy. Um, okay, friend. A long, long time from now, when you get to heaven, um, what do you hope God says to you, or what do you envision happening when you get there? Such an interesting question that I honestly don't know that I've ever completely thought about, or I've never had someone ask me. I mean, not that I haven't envisioned heaven, and I'm definitely hoping that's where I'm headed. I, I really just hope that he will feel like and can say to me that all the work that he had hoped that I would accomplish in my life was done and that I was a good servant and I took care of the people in my life the best that I could and definitely left a legacy of being kind as we talked about earlier and made an impact for my students and my family and my community in positive ways that 
maybe I won't even know all of those ways at the time I get to meet God in heaven, but that he will have seen those and can, and we can talk about some of those things that maybe I never got to hear about. Yeah, that's um, exciting to think about, isn't it? Yeah, so I, I hope he has some stories for me, yeah. and then I hope he's going to point me in the direction of those special people that I, I hope I get to see again, like my grandparents yeah. and um, close friends and people that are gone out of our lives that we will hopefully get to reunite with and connect with at that time. Yeah, for sure. That's beautiful. I'm sure that will happen. I love it. Um, you already have, I would say, done all of those things. I've watched you. I've watched you for a very long time and I see you doing those things. So that's exciting. You already, yes and amen to all of that. <laughs> Check it off a list. Um, yeah. So thank you for listening in everybody on this podcast. I am pretty tired today, but I'm doing okay. My skin looks like burnt toast, but it's, it's hanging in there. <laughs> um, ra the radiation has created this band of like really toasty skin and um, it's definitely starting to to be irritating more than anything else but I've I've heard lots of harder stories than what I'm going through so I'm really thankful that I only have you know a few more treatments left and so that's really good and we get to go on a little little getaway this weekend I get to get in the kayak this weekend and I'm really excited about that I won't be able to go very far I might need a tow back to because <laughs> my arms are going to be like what are you doing but um, I'm really excited to get on the water this weekend and relax and and have fun with my family and get that opportunity and um, so that's a real gift for us for sure and because most days it's you know it's a lot of radiation so it's nice not to have to deal with that and just have like my, my normal family and a normal life doing fun things and not have to think about cancer so um, thanks everybody for listening in I totally appreciate it and we'll tune in next time um, I think yeah tomorrow my friend Chris once will be driving me to radiation I'm really excited to talk with him so thanks for listening in Thanks for listening in, friend. I really appreciate it. This is really fun for me. But I hope for you, there's some takeaways on just being a good neighbor. Just somebody who's willing to, to jump in and say, yeah, I'll help you out. If you are a cancer survivor, or if you're currently going through cancer, please know that my heart is with you, that my prayers are with you, and that you are more connected than you realize and you are more loved than you could ever understand. Please tune in next time. We will have a great time on the podcast, driving over the mountain where I get radiation and make the best of it. You know what I'm saying? Have a great day. Mm -hmm.